creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, December 18th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast, just a week away from Christmas. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our, loose, our illustrious engineer, Chandler the Chili's Elf. <laughs> 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 on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And still up in New York City, author, spe- yeah. speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, and big city gal, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> Good morning, Jess. Look, Annie, how, how is your big bite of the big apple going? <laughs> <laughs> it's going great. I'm having a great time. I'm staying with some friends, and I just had the most interesting thing happen before we started recording, and I need you guys to tell me what to do. Okay. Oh, okay. No I'm one, intrigued. The family I'm staying with is not here. So there's no one else right. here in their That's house awesome. except me. Right. It worked out really great, great schedule-wise. This is great. Oh, it's like a and, vacation. And a ghost. Like a free yeah, Airbnb. And there's, of course, there's like a, Jesse, don't you worry. There's always ghosts. And I opened the fridge to get some water, and the yeah. fridge smells terrible. Uh-oh. Now, right. it's not my food. I have, yeah. y- y'all know me, I've eaten out every single meal. I don't make food. Yeah. It is the fa- it is someone who lives here's food. Oh. They don't come home for two more days. Yeah. Mm. Do I throw mm-hmm. away their food? No. 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 We're talking. We got a. We got a pizza. We got a the, the, the smell is contained in the fridge. Let it be. Right. If you throw it away, now you've got to deal with smelly trash. Well, I, I would take out the trash either way, Cameron, because I'm staying in someone's home. I'm gonna. Oh. Here we go again. With is that what happens in, in New York? In New York, you can just throw it on the sidewalks. Yeah, yeah. just it'll blow the into the, it dump, dump into the Hudson. The window. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, first they got a whole system where the steam comes out of the sewers. You just shove trash down there and steams it. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it, but I just know that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff under the grates. So the citywide incinerator. I think you got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Bl- that's why steam's always blowing everywhere out there. Right. Here's my question, Annie. Have you identified the subject of the odor or have you okay. have you taken the time to inspect the refrigerator yet? Well, I just opened it long enough to be highly disturbed by the smell. And I looked to I opened the right door. I looked to the left because that's where my nose was telling me it was coming from. And there's three options. Okay. There is a yellow, a container of yellow thing that kind of looks like Indian food. Like yeah, it's kind it's of a, like that So you're golden, saying it's a, it's a takeout. It's yeah. a takeout. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, but like you don't think right. it's like a, a, a jug of spoiled milk because that's that's sealed up. So you're saying it's like a takeout finished. food container probably is, I'm not finished is the issue here. Okay. We have that. Above it is a container of that you would think would be rice from a Chinese takeout place. Yeah. It's that shape, but I actually do not know what is in it. Uh-huh. Mm. Just mm. above that are two hard-boiled eggs wrapped in simply wrapped in uh, two what I believe would be hard-boiled eggs. They are peeled and they are simply wrapped in saran wrap. Which of those three are the cul- And that might not even be all it. All are likely culprits. It's well, a combo. It could be a, it could be a mix of Maybe not one. This could be a group yeah. situation. My, my yeah. gut is it's the bottom two. I mean, if there's a saran wrap protection on the eggs. I mean, the family, hard-boiled. no one has been in this house. None of the people who live here have been here in three days. Okay, see, that's that's what I would say okay if they've left takeout they're not going to come back 
five days gone and then eat the old takeout, I think you're safe to toss it. What's the right thing to do? What's the polite thing to do? I need to call my mother. And I don't think, I don't think I'm all one thing you could text the homeowners yeah, and say, Hey, by the way, there's a stench. Send a picture and go, I think Chandler. this is the culprit. What do you, what do you want me to do? Chandler's so rational. He's like, why don't you just ask them? You know, them. <laughs> I, I have a theory about the origins. I think it is three notes of one stinky cord. Like, oh. I think they are working together in that fridge, swirling, right. swirling in the cold air to blast you every time. I think if you take one of the equation away, the odor disappears. Like it's, I mean, that's the, that'll it's a tell weird you how alchemy. I've been here, it's a weird alchemy of stink in there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying you just remove one of the three and it neutralizes. Yeah, it's gonna be the, the I can just theory. launch those two eggs theory. out the window into right. the great sewer. Right. Incinerator yeah, let pizza rat and, the, take it. and it'll be fine. <laughs> let a pizza rat. Yeah, feed I the just rat. Need to open, I wish there was a flag to fly that would bring the pizza rats here and I would just let it into the fridge, close that the door behind is, it. Is the odor. Like literally, they just come <laughs> running out. You know? <laughs> I should just open the window and open the fridge and leave for a couple hours. Yeah. Nature will take care of itself. You're in New York. There's rats everywhere. A pizza rat yeah. will come. Yeah. 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 I don't think you need to open the window. But 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 I will say this: the right thing to do if they're going to host someone in their home, yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna have a big stink bomb in the fridge, yeah. and, and, <laughs> gonna, yeah. and it's gonna subject you to some putrid odor every time yeah. you open it. The least you can do is embarrass them on a public platform. So what are their names and what is yeah. the address okay. and phone number? Okay, I'll just go ahead and give all of you their Instagram handles so that everybody can just done. yeah yeah yeah. Annie, this is a terrible terrible thing that they've done. The injustice. Can you imagine? They need public shaming. They need the <laughs> for most having takeout that they didn't remember to throw away before they left. What monsters. They? Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to uh, pastors Judah and Chelsea Smith. Uh, you know them from Church Home. Um, the Church Home Global app actually has been sponsoring a couple of episodes of the podcast. We talked to them about that. Uh, and Chelsea uh, and Judah both are very, very involved in that new initiative. And, I, you know, a lot of people have, you know, hit us up with questions about how that app is being framed as a church option. And yeah. uh, we talked to them about that. It's interesting. Uh, and uh, as you know, lately we've been doing both Ask Jesse, now that he's back from his mysterious absence. And also while he was gone, we dabbled with bringing back Listener of the Week. Guess what we're doing today? Special holiday edition of Listener of the Week coming up Ooh. at the end of the show. Stay tuned for that. Oh, uh, wow. One of the one of the people who attended the Christmas spectacular a week and a half ago, uh, at the end, you know, saying saying goodbye, and and uh, she goes, you know, I've um, I, I was almost Listener of the Week once, and oh, I was wow. like, really? What? I was like, what happened? She goes, well, I hit, I I probably reached out or submitted my info or different facts. 10 different times. I'm trying really hard to be listening the week. And one week you guys hit me back and I missed it. I missed the recording. I saw the message after you recorded yeah. and I missed out. And I said to her, I go, well, you should try again. And so I don't know if it's her that we're picking. We should have had her do it live while we were all right there. Yeah. I talked to her after and her IP has been blocked from all relevant <laughs> servers. For so so here's, the, here's the twist with listener of the week. Normally, uh, Jesse picks it. Uh, yeah. he, we have de- we have delegated the responsibility this year or this week to Chandler. Chandler is picking the listener. No of the pressure. Week. No pressure. <laughs> I think it'll be a good one. All right. If he picks a dud, it's on you. All right. <laughs> <Fair>. Okay. <laughs> moving the show along. It's time for slices. All right. What do you have, Jesse? 
All right. Well, this one, this one caught my eye uh, this week. It has to do uh, with a NASA scientist. Um, and this NASA yeah. scientist works for uh, a, a part of NASA called the Intelligence Systems Division. So he's a currently a NASA scientist. And he says that he believes that extremely tiny, super intelligent I- entities have already visited Earth. Mind you. This is someone who works in the intelligent div- intelligent systems division of NASA. Uh, and so he, he wrote this this long paper that uh, is kind of complicated. I'm going to read some quotes and then kind of explain what what he's. If your punchline at the end is something about Santa and the elves, I'm going to be real proud of myself. No, no, no th- I, this is not this is not a work of holiday satire. Uh, that would be much more comforting if it was. But this is also <laughs> not a scientist because this is horrifying. This, this is, is horrifying. horrifying. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish this was all one big setup for a, you know, an elf uh, joke. That's for, what I thought you were doing. Joke. I thought yeah. you were setting us up for an elf yeah. joke. No, no. But he said, given the fairly common presence, uh, presence of elements that may be involved in the origin of life throughout the universe, it is a reasonable, reasonable assumption that life as we know it was at least a calming starting point. But our form of life and intelligent may be the first, may just be the first and a tiny step in a continuing evolution that will produce intelligent forms of intelligence that are far superior to ours and can no longer be based on carbon machinery. I don't want to address the issue of the survival of our species or its future role within the continuing evolution uh, in millions of years. I simply want to point out the fact that intelligence we might find and that might have already chose to find us might not be at all produced by carbon-based organisms like us. So here's what he's suggesting, essentially, is that if if you look at how far computer technology has evolved in like the 50 years that humans have been developing it, we're already having conversations. We've had conversations from, you know, kind of a, an ethical Christian perspective about the, uh, you know, combination of, of natural biology and technology. Right. So, you know, we, we've talked about the idea of, you know, at what point will humans be, you know, have the potential to be more machine and more digital than they are organic. And so when he says carbon based, he means like natural human, you know, bodies. But in just 50 years, we're already having conversations about, well, what happens when you're able to upload your consciousness? What happens when we can create nanobots that go in and assist your immune system in fighting disease? So what he's suggesting if is if there is intelligent life out there and they've discovered computing technology, it's likely that they are already existing on some sort of uh, uh, digital uh, in like not a uh, like a carbon based, not like bodies, but they might a- exist in the form of like digital nanobots that can because it's just more effective this to travel. This doesn't make any sense. Well, okay, so so I'm I'm tracking. I mean, this is this is very so I know, interesting. I'm not. I'm not I, so so it's so, just so Annie, insane. Let, I know, but let's say this. Let's say this. Let's say there's intelligent life out there somewhere in the universe, right? That that right. is like a few thousand years ahead of us, you know, developmentally, right? We're like I said, we're really young in the process of understanding the 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 potentials for like biotechnology. So if a civilization is thousands of years ahead, they're likely already his his he's suggesting they've already like converted themselves to digital consciousness and that we've kind of been looking for the wrong thing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm freaked out now. I wish I wish you ended with Santa and the elves. Yeah. 
Thanks. <laughs> Good. I think it, it, these conversations are are I think they're super fun and interesting, but especially as Christians, because none of this it, like counters any kind of ideas that we have about faith and creation. Like you know, we it's not unreasonable to think that there you know God might have other creations out there, and it's not unreasonable to think that that's the case that they've discovered technology that we are just now beginning to understand. Like. You know, none of it, I feel like, is contradictory to a Christian perspective. Yeah, it's just, it just stretches it a no, little. I, I don't, I I, yeah, I don't think anything that we will learn about science or the universe will in any way contradict, you know, that God is a creative God. And, you know, we know yeah. in part and we see in part, you know. Yeah. His ways are higher than our ways. Who knows? Danny, if there was confirmation of, of like an intelligent form of life out there. Would it, yeah, would it affect yeah. your faith at all? Because I'm reading your expression as, as we're talking yeah. about it. And it seems very cautious. Yeah, all this, this whole, yeah, my brain, y'all know me. I like love having fun, right? Like, I yeah. mean, I like thinking about serious things too, but, but this area of my brain, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think often about what this would be like if that was the case. That's not what I, and so I, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, what if there is, so much um if there's other life forms that know more than we do that's fascinating yeah. yeah so i don't think it affects my faith i think it um i think if we were meant to stop learning and growing we would have we would it's like eddie said a couple of weeks ago that you know so we keep learning science until there is until god decides what we don't learn yeah. anymore you know yeah and so and so that's what i was thinking about jesse i was thinking about eddie saying that and thinking about um, how if that is the case and we keep learning forward that that we that there that that could be a reality no but it doesn't affect my faith I think it's interesting yeah in what way would it like what would be the possible theological ramifications of it like I, I wouldn't it wouldn't I don't think damage my faith but it would definitely change my thoughts about about creation like like yeah. how God like the reality is God has created it so I think it would affect right, my faith. I'm just trying to think of what the, earth, what yeah. would the yeah. implications be? Yeah. Well, I mean, the implications would be that like, you, you know, it's not just, you, you, th- there's more than just like God and man and some other, you know, beings that would potentially have souls and like, you know, and, and would have, you know, would they have the same, would God have granted them the same free will that he granted us and that we can choose him or we can choose sin and destruction. And, you know, I mean, there's endless implications, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't think it's something that can just be ruled out because it's not addressed directly, you know? Right. And I think that's because C.S. Lewis's a uh, very famous sci-fi trilogy uh, dealt with other planets and the way that God might interact with them and the way he might deal with their... What with, are they like, called? It's, it's called the Science Fiction Trilogy. Oh. Uh, and he wrote it post-Narnia. Oh, and it's, yeah, it's very... It, it's good. It's good. They're, they're weird, but it's... Uh, but but they're, it's a very interesting way of looking at... Uh, it takes place in the other planets in our solar system and uh, the way that in this... In, just in this trilogy... Earth is considered the silent planet because it's the planet that has sin on it and these other planets don't. So they consider Earth to be sort of this cursed planet and humans start visiting these other worlds and seeing what it looks like in a planet where sin hasn't yet affected it and is either threatening to. It's a good, it's a good, it's much more grown up than the Narnia stories are. It's for, for growing, but it's good. 
Yeah, and like where, where do like angels and like that kind of realm play into it? You know what I mean? Like right. yes. there, there's yeah, even yeah. there's that famous interpretation. I'm not saying it's you know that like a lot of biblical scholars or really any serious biblical scholar um, you know believes it. But like you know there was like a famous book in the 70s where this guy was like talking about Ezekiel's vision of this craft that's like has wheels upon wheels that he's has trouble describing it's like well what if that's a ufo in the bible you know like there are people that have thought including c.s lewis about the implications of the reality of all of this which is just super interesting you know uh, yeah it is interesting i mean the whole thing of like we know in part we see in part like jesse i call him back to a, a week and a half ago when we had our christmas spectacular um, yeah. I remember we had uh, Moro Dante, the right. uh, mentalist, join us, and he did a trick on tape. And, and for those of us in the room, we, we, we saw it with our own eyes, and, and Tyler, you were part of it, where he bent a fork, right? We, hot, hot tub hot takes, we have been <laughs> pontificating how that is done, and, I, and, and we have theories, and uh, I made the mistake of Googling it, right? Oh, no. Yeah. You okay. did? Oh, no, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? How about this? Because, Cameron, you can't tease like you this. Can't. So I'm going to tell the listeners, if you don't want the trick, pause the podcast no, no, now no, no, and just no, scrub no, no, no. for Wait, it. Wait, are you about no. to tell us how they did no, it? So you can't tease us like this. No, let me tell you what I've discovered. Okay. This is, this is, this is a, a, a thing. If you go to forkbend.com, it would be kind of an everyman's entree to it would be like fine you know like like when you google the flat earth society i can't believe you know, you're doing this forkbend.com no. and it's just an, a, a normal girl who was experienced this trick and wanted to figure out how to do it and was taught like went to a seminar how to do it jesse what they say and this is i just send you to forkbend.com because this is kind of representative of all the google videos and all the things that or youtube videos all the things you're going to find those who perform this trick say that it is truly channeling energy from the body to heat and soften the metal and then you can shape it for a short burst that there is a energy that is tapped into and that you learn how to do it and how to direct this energy but there isn't a weird uh sleight of hand thing that can't be true that can't be true and and there's a step-by-step this they teach you how to do it on this site uh, because and, he does it he does it with a quarter as well right. yeah that's like what I'm saying and, and that's those always who, your defense of him Jesse is and, and, and those and, and, yeah and it was a quarter out of my pocket that we wrote initials on that then was bent in my hand in my hand and like he didn't touch it so our theory of like well maybe there's sleight of hand he's touching the fork blah blah, blah. I remember the 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 you know, he gave me instructions and, and, and there was a certain kind of like hand energy that the group did around this. It was in my closed fist the entire time laid flat on my palm. He told me to squeeze my hand, my quarter with my written initials on it, bent like a taco. Okay. It was softened and bent. Nobody touched it. It was mine. Okay. So if you read this site and other sites like it, they talk about the energy of the human mind and in the human body, like, you know, that science can't explain can affect the physical realm. You, you're talking about other realms coming into our natural realm and all this stuff. And I'm going, we know so little about, I mean, think about Tesla was, was, was conducting electricity through the air without wires. I mean, that was his whole thing, right? I mean, there's, there's energy and there's things that happening in the world around us that we can't see, we can't understand. 
And it can show up in the physical realm. And the more you read, the more, whatever, you realize the less we know, you know, we have a very limited understanding of all of this. And, and Jesse's now reading about bending forks. I cannot, I be, because you've blown my mind because I'm like, can that, is that really the solution? Like this isn't like I, I, because I was under the assumption that it's just really, really great. No, it's a, it's a trick that is taught. This is the thing that there's whole classes, there's groups that go and they, you can join and be taught like how to tap into that energy to bend metal. And that there are groups that can do sculptures with the metal because their mind is telling it to do different shapes. It's like a superpower. It sounds this, like yeah, an X. This is like this is like the Force. This is there's like gotta Jedi. be something else. That's I mean, there's got to be something I think, else. I I think I because I just I just you, you stumble on ForkBend.com too as you were talking, Cameron. I'm right. Guilty. I can tell. I can see that. your eyeballs. I could, they and, were lighting up. And I'm yeah, like looking at it. I'm like this. This was a. This website is part of the illusion. Like Maru Dante's people like went and so made too. this website. So it's it's a, it's a, exactly powers. Read, right. read about it. Read the FAQs. It's a girl in Australia who took a class. She's like, I'm not an expert on it. It doesn't work all the time. But when I can, when the conditions are right and I can channel it, this is what happens. And this is what I do. She's no. like. I'm with Jesse. This is she's part I, of. The, I think. She's part I, think of it. I think it's part of the long con of like the greatest magic trick. I, I mean, I feel like, okay, so there's that, uh, what's that Penn and Teller show where they, where they like reveal the secrets to magic? Yeah. I'm going to have to, I don't know, I don't know how they get on, you know, how to get on the show, but I feel like I need, I need a real magician to confirm that this is, that right. they're actually using right. some sort of you know, mental powers to do it because that, that would, that would make me question everything I think I know about the power of the human mind. And I like to think I know a lot about the power Jesse, of the human mind. Jesse, do you remember the quarter? He yes. never touched it. <laughs> I do. I held, a, I held the fork in my hand this past week. Yeah, but he had his fingers on it when you had it in your hand. You know what I mean? So like, but he, the quarter is the no. thing. I took it out of our friend's purse. I took a marker and wrote my initials on it put it in my hand, the palm of my hand, closed my fist around it. You all came over and put your hands out to give energy towards it. After a couple of minutes, he or after a couple of seconds, he said, do you feel it getting warmer? And it was getting warmer. And he said, now squeeze. And I squeezed and it bent the quarter. He never touched it. I know. I know. That's okay. okay. I mean, I hear you, but there's just no way. There's just no way. All right. Listen, there, here's what, here's what we're going to do. And I feel like this is this is a promo for a future episode. I, I, did you guys hear that episode of Radio Lab a few months ago where they had the guy, the Christian magician, on, and they told this story about uh, this woman who was like a blood donor. He had this rare disease, and anyway, long mm-hmm. story short, this she was an atheist, he was an atheist. He had this blood donation; it changed his life. He devoted his life to faith, and he is now a Christian magician, right. and he seems to be Harris pretty good. The magician. He, yeah, <laughs> he nearly burned his face off. No, he but, face but he seems to be pretty knowledgeable about Andy. magic. I want to have him on the show and I want to see if he can back up forkbend.com. Is that fair? Is that fair? No, they won't reveal anything, man. They're not going to say it's a trick or that's I don't what I think. I think sites like bendthefork.com or whatever, I think that is magician's way. Uh, getting the right SEO things and the right websites so know. that I don't know we don't solve their everything. tricks. After Maru yeah. Dante, I question everything. I will find. I got to find some magician who's willing to break the code. 
You know, they aren't going to. Yeah, that's the one thing. It's like the one thing everybody knows about magicians. Like the one thing that's not mysterious about magicians is they're not going to tell you how it happens. One, there's two things everyone knows about magicians. One, they have the coolest wardrobes of any people on earth. (laughs) So many cool dress shirts in that. In that, you know, Maru Dante looked pretty slick. I I know know listeners didn't get a chance to see him, but he had a very, but he he had a he looked like a magician. If you saw the guy walking down the street, be like, that guy knows magic. I don't know if he makes his living off of it, (laughs) but he can do magic. Yeah, he at least at the bare minimum, that is a man who knows magic. Telekinesis, you know? psychokinesis. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's I was all again. prepped for the what do you have, Tyler? And Cameron's still in the deep, still going down. He's still tumbling down Alice's rabbit hole on his way to Wonderland. I'm just saying this whole Jesse slice about other realms. And obviously, we believe in the spirit realm. I mean, as yeah. Christians. Oh, no. But I mean, obviously, we believe there are other realms and things we cannot explain. I have seen physical manifestations of the spirit realm. I mean, I grew up in the charismatic church. I have seen things yeah. that cannot be explained very easily in the natural. I've seen the Bible talks about regularly signs and wonders, things that are not physically explainable. They are supernatural phenomenon, healings and other miracles. We believe in that as Christians. So why would we not believe that God has a plane that that we do not understand? Well, these are two different stories. I believe you. I'm not sure that that's the same plane that helps bend forks. I'm just saying. There's, the, there's a, Annie. There's. A, I recommend a really great documentary to you called Doctor Strange, and it is a it's a fascinating story about <laughs> uh, about this. Do- he he bears a striking resemblance to Benedict Cumberbatch. He was a, he surgeon. Was a surgeon. He was a real doctor, not a magic doctor, uh, but he learned how to tap into the spirit realm. I don't want to give away the ending, but I think you'll learn a lot. I just have. I just have to. I believe uh, as a, as a. I believe God gave us a mind for a reason and we, and intellect and reason. Um, and we have, should have discernment about, you know, what is true and what is not. Uh, but I also, the older I get and the more I learn about the vastness of the universe or, or creation or evolution or science, the more I realize how limited our understanding is of how things really work and how God created this thing. And so, I just kind of have an open hand to say, I know in part, I see in part, I, I, God's ways are higher than our ways. I don't know. Who's to say? That's what I'm saying. Who's to say? There are theories out there. I don't know. So Merry Christmas, everybody. That's what you're going to be doing for the next two weeks. I love it. I love I it. I agree. <laughs> I'm with, I'm with Cameron, team Cameron on this one. All right. What do you have, Tyler? Okay, well, we're taking we're taking it out of the spirit realm briefly, but into a, yeah, I'll a, take this, it back in. this story just had a lot of... Uh, <laughs> This story has a lot of like weird implications that I was interested to get y'all's thoughts on and, and maybe hear from some readers too. So you got I only vaguely remember this meme that popped up about three years ago in 2015. Uh, there was a meme that went around uh, it, that featured a, a young guy who had a pretty intense mullet dancing at like a club. He was like he was 16 or 17 at the time. And he had uh, a mullet that was like very over the top and did not appear to be a, like an ironic mullet. Like he was yeah. just like, I'm a guy <laughs> and I want my it was like hair a short or something, top, right? And I want it long in the yeah. back. Yeah. And uh, and so this meme got covered. You know, it, it did well on the, in the on the meme pages. The kids had a lot of fun with it. It got he's he lived in Australia, so it got written about in Australian news. Daily Mail covered it, posting a bunch of tweets of people making fun of this kid. So that was three years ago. He and has been busy over the past three years mounting his lawsuits 
for defamation to for defamation to to three news outlets in particular two in australia and the daily mail which is based in the uk for making him look like and this is his quote directly a ridiculous person which which uh, i but how are they responsible based on this picture they did not need any help like that was not a that was not a day they were just reporting the facts yeah, I'm not here to defend Daily Mail. They're not a great outlet, but, yeah. but that that was just truth. That was just truth and reporting. In well, Daily Mail, Daily Mail, <laughs> to their credit, was one of the first outlets to internationally report the Nickelback challenge. They were. They bought oh. several yeah. key facts, it's but they, they, they <laughs> still right. did they report it. Technically, <laughs> technically, uh, and, and the Daily Telegraph was named in this uh, in this suit as well. So he's mounting his lawsuit for defamation of character. Uh, and then that, that's been three years. This has been ongoing. And then he reached, and we don't know the terms of this is confidential, but he did reach a settlement with each of these places. So the suit will not actually be going to trial, but there was some sort of settlement reached, meaning that there was some sort of money paid, uh, meaning that this kid evidently got some sort of restitution, found some sort of justice for his crusade. Now, regardless of whether or not uh, he should be wearing a mullet, which I don't think he should be doing. I think that that's that's a poor choice. I, on think, his the part. Daily, I think the Daily Mail <laughs> rightly called him out and warned people about yeah. this haircut that could be, you know, dancing through nightclubs. You know, it's they true. did their it's duty journalism. as journalists. Yeah, it's journalism. It's, yeah, I know. I know a lot of people like to call journalists the enemy of the people. I get that. I understand. This is not <laughs> fake news. This was a real mullet. Dancing it through clubs that people can, need to know about. The people are right to know. <laughs> and it's and it's uh, I, we can we can even put a we can put a picture we can put the image uh, we we can link to it on the episode page I suppose although it is a bit salacious in the club but but I feel like people need to be aware of the what kind of mullet we're talking about. So this so this ha- but I also think that if you can if you can start suing for defamation of character because of tweets yeah. This opens up a very interesting world. Like we all yeah. live in public now. Yeah. We all live like yeah. we're exposed all the time. Anybody can take a picture of us. That picture can end up somewhere. And if you give, if if people have be justified in taking a lawsuit saying, hey, I don't want that picture getting passed around, then that is a rabbit hole that I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the end of that is going to be. Yeah. Well, right. And, and I mean, as you know, uh, Annie, what was your what was your degree in? If you don't mind me asking, Annie? early childhood education. Early childhood She's education. Teacher, so, okay, yeah. yeah, that's right. So, uh, I the, the I think the the other three of us just by uh, virtue of our degrees have taken like media ethics courses and have had to have. I've gone to like legal seminars and things about media ethics and you know. And yet you still behave the way you do. Mm-hmm. That is shocking. Oh, wow. to me. Well, we go, we study <laughs> it, so and then surprising. we know where the gray area is, we and that's where right we live. Yeah, yeah, we go right up to the line. I stay over that cliff At every least morning. With me, Annie. I don't have any education to back up my behavior. <laughs> yeah, but all, but all that to say is like the U.S. has has it's very very difficult to prove libel and slander in the U.S. Like it's you, you not only have to like prove what is being you reported, have to prove intent. And, you, right. Yeah, you yeah. have to you have to right. repr- prove intent. You have to prove it's false, and you have to prove damages. Like the burden of proof is is on the person claiming they've been defamed. And other like Europe, it's way like EU laws, and they're way way different. You know, so 
you know, I think we're safe here sharing memes of funny haircuts. I mean, if you feel like something <laughs> is mean spirited, you don't have to share it. But like, I don't think I don't think anyone has to worry here about getting yeah. sued for defamation yeah, because they did nothing to defame him other right. than, you know, post a funny video. He, d- he right. defamed himself. Right. Right. <laughs> right. He, was he wasn't, you, he wasn't you, passed out being placed in a situation. He put himself right. in that situation. You walk out in public with a you walk out in public with a mullet. Then you're saying then you're saying before God and man. I'm ready for whatever the world brings, brings my way this yeah, not only that not only that you are poking the bear like yeah. you are saying I yeah. dare you yeah. world I dare you. if anyone is should be sued for defaming his characters the barber like he's the only one that's like <laughs> right. are you sure you're willing to do this and you know if anyone bears responsibility it's the it's the person that gave him the haircut Yep. And you this know. invokes that. If I say the word, the Streisand effect, are you guys aware of what I'm talking about? Have you heard this before? No. No, no but I'm a, totally into it. I hope it's going to be great. It's an internet. It's a. It's an. Inter- it's not an official law of the universe. It's an internet thing called the Streisand effect based on, uh, I think in 2000, maybe one, 2002, uh, people took pictures of Barbara Streisand's very lavish mansion that I believe she has in Maui. Oh. And uh, started and those started getting passed around and made her look a little bit, maybe a little bit out of touch with the common person, uh, which Babs has earned the right to be. To be fair, anybody to be out of touch yeah. with normal people, it is Barbara Streisand. I don't judge Barbara Streisand for doing that. That's Speaking fine. Speaking of, of God having other stratospheres of other things, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. she is tapped into the spirit realm. She may Thank be from you. it. Thank for you. All we know. You are bringing a spiritual slice after all. And uh, but she she was uh, embarrassed by these photos and tried to get them removed. She wanted them washed from the internet, taken off the internet. That of course backfired, and people just published them more. So the Streisand <laughs> effect is what happens when you try to get something off the like tell people, hey, please stop sharing those photos. That's poking the bear, yeah. and it ends up being, and it ends up making the story much bigger than it would have been otherwise. The, the same thing happened to Beyonce. Yeah. After yeah, exactly. her Super Bowl, Super Bowl performance, you know, I mean, she's doing this oh, like yeah. incredible like dance routine and people are taking like photos and, you know, in the heat of the action, still shots of her like expressions and movements look ridiculous outside of the context of this incredible, you know, performance. Yeah. And they were unflattering and kind of and, and goofy. And the, the, the photographer that took them, I think sold them to, like BuzzFeed or something and they posted them. And then, Beyonce's publicist emailed them and asked that they be removed and, and said, here are approved photos for you to show, even though they they had no way of legally stopping them from right. posting photos that they now owned. And they went and published the email they got from her publicist, which made the story even bigger. It, like yeah. it, it is a thing. Brutal. on the internet. A yeah. rare misstep Brutal. from team Beyonce, who's yeah. obviously has one of the best PR teams on the entire planet. Yeah. The uh, but that was a weird one. Yeah. Can I give a um, hot tub hot take on Beyonce? Please, please do. I don't care for her so much. Man, this is a hot tub hot take. Wow. Wait, you're 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 all Barbara Streisand and not Beyonce? No, no, no. (laughs) I don't own an album by either of them. I think they're. I think uh, Beyonce is great. I just am not sure she's the queen. Everyone. I'm just not like quite so sold on her as the rest of everybody seems to. Wow. I would be friends with her in a heartbeat. I loved her in Destiny's Child and I think she's wonderful and I do enjoy I'm just not like I'm not so into her yeah. as you know like the did y'all see that the most expensive or sorry the richest man in India his daughter got yeah. married yeah. and they had Beyonce perform at like at her before her wedding or something. Yeah. 
Can you I imagine thought, what kind of cash you must be swimming in to oh afford a private? Gosh. It was a hundred million dollar wedding. I just can't. Yeah, yeah. I can't really. Really. It's worth like hundred billion and I thought, uh, dollars. I wouldn't wow. have had Beyonce. She's not doing my funeral. She's not. You know, I like her fine. Again, I'm gonna be friends with her. It's gonna be fine. I like her as a person. I'm just not. Obs- I- I'm not like. I'm just not super into her. She's your, she's your Michael W. Uh, Jesse's Michael W. Smith. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that last week you were very nervous to say, speak ill of Michael W. Smith, the powerful Michael W. Smith. You were worried <laughs> that the Michael W. Smith lobby would come after you. But this week you're just throwing out well, like, I will tell you the way Jesse was talking about Michael W. Smith and the way I'm talking about Beyonce is very different. Jesse no. was being cruel to Michael W. Smith. No. I'm saying, yeah, I didn't say anything about Beyonce. his character. I didn't I say anything about his character. I, I like her as a person. I'm sure she's lovely. I bet she's so funny. Funny. That won't nice do you any good around. when the when the she, Beyonce stands come after you. When the beehive when the beehive comes knocking, yeah, I know, I know, them. I know, they're going to come after me. I I just don't own any of her music. Annie, Annie's she thinks anyone that she can plausibly sit next to on an airplane. Like she was like, what if you sit next to Michael W. Smith on an airplane? Right. Like how, look, I won't care. What is he going to do? What is he going to do? Make me uncomfortable? I mean, it's impossible to make me uncomfortable on an airplane, yes. Annie. Just because you know you'll never sit next to Beyonce is no reason you to know, malign her. That's the truth. But here's the other thing. I'm like, Beyonce may not love all my books, but she'd want to be friends with me. Like we'd get along great. She may not love what I the did. art that I make, and that is how I feel. I think we would get along great. We'd go shopping together. We'd have a great time. She would buy things I would not, and but I may not love her art as much as everyone else loves her art. That's what I'm so. Saying. So we just to be clear, the opinions of Annie F. Downs do not necessarily represent that of Relevant Magazine. Oh, but you <laughs> didn't say that about Jesse last week when he's talking <laughs> about Michael B. Smith. So it's uh, me talking. You're more scared of Beyonce than you are of Michael no. W. Smith. And oh, the truth yes, is, yes, the chance yes. of Michael W. Smith getting to you and caring is significantly higher than Beyonce ever hearing this or giving a care about what Annie. All F. Downs I'm saying is. is, back in the day, Beyonce was on the cover of Relevant. I don't know. Right. I'm just saying. And Michael Dub hasn't. Michael W. Smith, the 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 door is open. Yeah. Always and always and forever. Just like friendship, our door does not close. I will not say never. I'm just not if you want to go him. for a hang, I think yeah. Beyonce would never care. I think Michael W. Smith. I'm not going to cross him. I think he's he seems like a very nice man. That doesn't give to. him a pass for friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. Friends I want will not Beyonce say to remake that song and see how you feel about it. Then right, that's 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 there you go. All right, what do you have, Annie? Well, let's combine some of our as it tends to happen in the spiritual realm here. Let's combine some of our topics from previous slices okay. from the two of you, and I'll tell you mine. Let's okay. talk litigation first. Um, I've actually got a little bit of a twofer today. So oh, some might call wow. me Mr. Jesse Carey. I got a little bit of a twofer. For starters, there's a man who has been in a four-year litigation war with his HOA in his neighborhood because of how he decorates for Christmas. He what? asked to be <laughs> removed from the HOA to be an independent home what? because he decorates so much. It's one of those homes that people like drive by and want to see where you can like tune your radio to a certain yeah. station and listen to music. And the neighborhood hates it because the first time he did it four years ago, I mean, this guy, his name is Jeremy Morris. Like at Christmas, he, he has adult braces and <laughs> the top are has red he had and the bottom for are all green. Of four years. Has he yes, been that's what the- it says. You can see his braces red on top, green on bottom. One of his sons <laughs> is named Nicholas. He named him after St. Nicholas. Oh. 
No. I mean, it is. So in the movie, Clark Griswold in the Christmas vacation, he puts 25,000 lights on his house. Yeah. Jeremy Morris puts 200,000 lights on his house. I mean, when you look at a picture of it, there is not a part of his home that isn't covered. I mean, literally draped in Christmas lights. Wow. And I, I read this story too. And doesn't he, for his Christmas party, he brings in livestock, like real yes, animals like for camels. his nativity. He's very... <laughs> I don't Jeremy get why Morris the neighbors don't like him. <laughs> yes, the neighbors don't like him. That's the problem. And so the first year that they did it, he it was just like a light show and he put it on Facebook. And then something like 900 families said that they were going to attend. And so they literally have driving. I mean, can you imagine in your neighborhood just a, a one house having just constant traffic through your neighborhood? And so the neighborhood, the HOA is incredibly unhappy and the and Jeremy is incredibly unhappy because here's the interesting part is he, as a Christian, feels like um, this is kind of for them to not let him decorate the way he wants to decorate and not share Christmas the way he wants to share Christmas is an offense to his spiritual. It's a religious freedom mm. issue to him. Yeah. Yes, wow. That's right. Yeah. He went on I'm Fox a- News to talk about it. Like they yeah. had like Fox and Friends hosted him. To- what did he say? I didn't see it. I mean, I mean, I just read that in the story. Too, oh, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm glad he recognized the Christian persecution that is happening. He calls here it in the America. war. He <laughs> said you it's can't not even the war on Christmas. Rare, it's the war on Christians. Yeah, you can't even bring rare livestock into a residential <laughs> neighborhood for a month in a cold You weather. can't even bring a camel and 900 cars into a neighborhood without being accused. <laughs> so yeah, they're suing to him, Think huh? of the persecution that we face every day. America in 2018, ladies and gentlemen. Should we? Should any of us Christians? dabble in residential livestock <laughs> he can't emancipate himself from the hoa i mean that's, that's what he uh, wants he part, wants emancipation from the hoa of, that's it's exactly part of the property wants. agreement when you buy the house it's 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 yeah. you're, you're bound but you, he could have just bought a house you know a little further outside that neighborhood you know he, yeah. if, if it's a real issue i mean you don't want to be that one guy that every neighbor hates let alone like he lawsuits does actually and stuff. want to be that one guy apparently Clearly. See Christians yeah. and, he, and then he makes it, it so he makes it, it a, like now they also play music out loud and the next door neighbor measured the decibels and it was seventy five decibels outside the same as a vacuum cleaner. Just oh a constant word. level oh of vacuum cleaner. See, and now he's making it about his faith. It's like, come on, man, you're making us all look bad. Like just be a nice, kind person, you know? Right. Uh, this this struck I was me gonna say, real quick, Tyler, real quick. If there's one thing I know about Christian persecution in America is that we are, as Christians, entitled to offend whoever we like, (laughs) neighbors included, (laughs) neighbors included. You think, you think, what would Jesus do to celebrate his birthday? He'd be blinging out the house and bringing all the camels and he would be suing his own neighbors. This guy, this guy, this guy understands persecution, man. what's What's your twofer? Well, there's a little bit of a two for Jeff. Oh, yeah. Did you have no, a thought? You gotta take. You gotta well, take. no, I just, this kind of like, kind of like does his look. This struck me in the hands of the right filmmaker. This would be a good dark, like dark satire of the God's not dead guy who really thinks he's standing up to like to the, to big, to the big lawyers and right, the hot right. shots on wall street and in Hollywood for faith. But it's probably a little more realistic depiction of what this guy is usually like. Who's just kind of somebody everybody wishes would go away because I think the HOA guy, like when he was interviewed, he said, look, I'm a Christian too, man. We're not worried about you sharing your faith. We just don't want lights. on. <laughs> like we can't right. sleep. The camel has right. bit six children this year. It's there are dangerous. a thousand cars in our neighborhood of eight, 18 houses. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Oh, 
That's crazy. I'm a little twofer. I just feel like, yeah. Jesse, I didn't run this one by um, you, but no, I just wanted to bring it live. Okay. Well, you, got, um, you, got, a, you got the Christian persecution beat, you know, check. So we'll see what right? else you got. <laughs> um, and this is just a quick little ghost update because there <laughs> is... <Uh-oh>. I got... <laughs> I got okay. sent this one on Twitter. Couldn't resist just making a quick note of it. There, disappointingly, there's been a woman who has been married to a 300 year old ghost pirate for six years, and their marriage is over. She has ended the marriage. Oh. So I just this uh, uh, ghost did pirate. Cite, did she cite a reason? Right. So <laughs> Cameron and I talked about this for a minute. It's a little bit spooky, if you will, because she's like, um, I don't want to talk about what happened, but let's just say you don't want to mess with the spirit realm. And I was like, holy oh. cow. That's all she said. Crazy lady yeah. real. I was yeah. expecting like a pirate pun there. You know? No, no, no. Yeah. She was like, you don't want to mess with the spirit realm. I because was like, oh, I could have told you that before. you too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was expecting something like that. Nah. Nope. Do you know she says his name is Jack? And bizarrely, the picture uh, that she posted of herself in a wedding dress is next to a... Um, a pirate flag. A, fo- a painting of a guy who looks just like Jack Sparrow. Johnny Depp and Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. I'm like, yeah, if that's what, if marrying a ghost, quote, quote, is taking a picture next to a painting of Johnny Depp, I, I've done that 12 times. So, but that it's, ain't, it's, that ain't what it's that kind of a, It's kind of a delightful, <laughs> kooky, weird story until you get to the, I don't want to get into why, let's just say you don't want to mess with the spirit realm. Yeah, I, don't I get yeah. a little bit like, whoa. I thought the same thing. I thought, man, I that is more. really, and I don't even like. All all of her cutlery, all twisty and stuff. All of her cutlery <laughs> oh is all, it's just, her, she can't close her drawer yeah. anymore. Hey, her husband, her her husband used to have a spike for a hand. Now it's, now it's the hook just because she's been dabbling too much, right. you know, all <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Judah and Chelsea Smith join us. Come crashing in like a wildfire. I'm left in all of you. Every time I close the door, I'm left wanting more of you. I wish I had some grand sense of occasion, but I just smile and turn away. I hope you know by Like I said, I'm done. I'm yours forever. You're listening to Mumford and Sons. The song is Rose of Sharon. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Money Cat with Check It. That was funky. I like that one. Well, Judah Smith and his wife, Chelsea, are the lead pastors of Seattle's church home. The church recently launched the Church Home Global app, which offers users Bible reading tools and spiritual growth resources, as well as a somewhat controversial virtual church. We recently sat down with Judah and Chelsea Smith to talk about the app and some of the blowback it's received. Here is that conversation. I really want to start just by talking and sort of about the, I guess, what you'd call the origin story of Church Home. Where did you first start to like concept the idea for what you were building, what you ended up building? Oh, as, as, far, as far as I can, you know, recall, and it wasn't really that long ago, but uh, we, we, I started probably three years ago now thinking, um, I think we're supposed to change our name from City Church to church home and, and most of it kind of uh, stems from Luke chapter 15 and this whole parable that has three parts that 
Jesus explains why he hangs out with with non-church people. Why does he hang out with bad guys? Why does he hang out with you know crooks? Why does he hang out with you know money launderers? And in in Jesus' explanation is has these three parts: you know, lost shepherd, lost coin, and and wayward son. And every single one of those portions of the parable end with a party in a home. They all end in a home with this celebration. And it was, you know, to me, it's Jesus saying, hey, all of my children on the planet are, you know, they're wayward like sheep. They bear my image like a coin. Um, and they're my, they're my children. They're my sons and daughters. And I want to come home. And I want to celebrate them when they get home. I want to forgive them when they get home. I want to accept them when they get home. Um, I want to cover their pain when they get home. And that's when this idea of home, like I think we're supposed to name our church home. And then, um, you know, I, I realized we needed to kind of create a word that would be unique that the word church and the word home, I'm not sure you can trademark either one of those. So we, we combined them with one H. Before, even before this conversation happened and in the middle of changing the name, for a lot of years, we had been just feeling church has to be done differently. We can't just keep doing church the same way it's been done before. And it was really, Jude was really inspired by a quote from Craig Rochelle. I don't know if he wants to share that or not, but we, there is just something inside of us realizing we have got to do church different. First of all, if we really want to reach cities, we don't have enough buildings to contain them. And second of all, everything in the world has changed. Every business and industry has changed based on technology. And so we were just really had this thing in our heart, but we had no idea how to accomplish it or go from there. And then... Yeah, it was. I, I had a meeting with, with Craig Rochelle. Um, I mean, past Craig's a great friend. That was probably 2010, babe, or was that 2009, something like that? Yeah, 2010. 2010, and I wrote wrote down on this napkin that I still have in my Bible, actually in Luke chapter 15, and it, um, yeah, all of a sudden started envisioning what if this, what if we could do a church that was global? What if we could do a church, um, you know, without massive buildings, but with, you know, in in people's homes? And so one of the big ideas behind church home is, you know, what if people could have church in their home? And and, and all of a sudden it's like, well, we we might be able to reach millions and billions if we start thinking in terms of, you know, you know, people, a place for people to go. If all of the buildings in Seattle or Los Angeles that are quote unquote, Jesus preaching churches were filled 10 times over, a hundred times over, we, we, we don't even scratch the surface of the city's population. Um, and God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we want to attempt at least to build something that, that, that might be able to scratch the surface of the, uh, of the city we're in. So, and I know you touched on this a little bit, but I want to go into to maybe just a little more detail uh, of it. What were some of the, when you say we can't keep doing church the same way that we have been, which I think is a need that is felt by, by many, maybe most people who go to church, who have been in church their whole lives. Um, we can't keep doing church the same way. Um, how does the new vision of church home, what specifically is different about it that can meet the needs of today's people who want to go to church, today's churchgoers, in ways that the old model couldn't? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, it's just the, the need of actually having a space for people that, you know, the amount of phones in the world is 
is limited only to the amount of people in the world who have phones. And so actually having a space where people can go. Uh, the second thing is realizing, I'm sure as you study church trends, realizing people's church, month, church attendance is down to, you know, about 1.5 times a month or maybe twice a month, depending on where you live. And, you know, we used to live in a culture and a society where the world, at least in America, everything shut down on Sunday, making family and church a priority. And so people actually had time to consistently attend church on a Sunday. Well, now that's just not the reality. Kids have sporting events and people still work and life keeps going on Sundays. And so people with really good hearts who love Jesus, who want to do what's right, still just aren't available to attend church on a weekly basis. And so we realize we have to go meet people where they're at. I mean, the Great Commission is a go. And so instead of, we, we just felt that in all, instead of always saying, come to us, come to our building, come to our event, come, 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 that there was something in us that there had to be a go that had to do with church. So that's really where you know, technology came in and made a big difference for that, as well as connectivity. You know, we found that, especially at our larger campuses, that people could come and slip in and slip out and, you know, which is a good checkout phase. No problem if people want to do that. But our heart is to connect people. We want people to be involved in real relationships because that's where we believe discipleship actually happens. And so we wanted to make something that felt smaller, that people, even in large auditoriums, even in a large church, could feel like they're really connecting with other people and not able to get lost. I, I would say in addition to that, just, you know, the way the, the world got smaller just by just by sheer pricing of travel. And, and as a result, this concept that particularly in the United States of America, the concept that preachers and pastors and church leaders are living under might not always be accurate. And again, to, to Chelsea's point, this idea that people are going to uh, you know, and I think sometimes we shame people and condemn people. We probably don't mean to, but you know, you gotta be here. You gotta be when in reality, the, the, the world has changed and, and kids are, are, are going away to college even more. Um, and you can, you can hop in a car, drive down the road. Uh, you can get in a Tesla, it can drive you. Uh, you could get it on a flight for pretty cheap now because there's so many airlines and there's competition. And so, um, I, we, we, we would rather embrace, um, Chelsea and I travel a lot. Um, our, our family moves around a lot and we, we felt like that's, is that a bad thing? You know, I, I don't know, but that's just the world we live in. And then, and then secondly, again, to Chelsea's point, only to emphasize it, I think, um, churches our size have, uh, larger buildings, at least many do. Um, and we, we have to own the fact that, that many, many, many people, probably more than we even want to acknowledge or realize or understand, slip in and slip out. The slip in and slip out is a very real part of, uh, you know, I don't know if we call them mega churches or what they're actually coined now, but the larger churches with, you know, a couple thousand, three thousand, four thousand in attendance, this idea of getting them in the building as if that's the ultimate um, you know, and that's going to ensure they connect, I think is not true anymore. And so we, we feel like we can be a small church with a lot of people um, by, by using the vehicle of a phone to connect people. But, but again, our, our big heart here is that, that the phone has to lead to tactile relationship. We, we truly believe that's, that's the big win. I know that when the, you made the, the announcement about church home, there was some pushback about uh, this isn't what a real church looks like. 
uh, churches don't do this is like church needs to be like in person. It can't be done over a phone. How do you respond to people who are critical of your of this new vision? I think, first of all, we were expecting it. It wasn't anything. I don't think anybody's saying anything that we weren't expecting to hear. You know, anytime there's change, it's going to come with criticism. And first of all, I think criticism is such an amazing compliment because for people to have the passion to criticize, it means they love the church. And so the fact that there are church critics out there and people who feel like it is their responsibility to guard the integrity of the church, it does get me excited of that what we're part of is so great. So that's really our heart response. Our head response is before we endeavored to do this, we search the scriptures to make sure that what we were doing lines up with what we believe God's plan for the Bible is. And we had lengthy conversations with our board, with theologians. And so we felt pretty confident going into this, that it was scripturally sound, you know, obviously acts in the temple house to house. I know some of, you know, the sacraments is a big deal. And you know, for us, our theology isn't that a priest has to perform sacraments. You know, the first baptism that you see at the beginning of the early church, that the one-on-one was Philip, who was a deacon. And, you know, the first communion that was given was obviously by Jesus. So he is the priest of all priests, but it was actually in, a house <laughs> in the upper room. And so we just felt really biblically confident that what we're doing is okay. And we don't mind the criticism, to be honest. Yeah, and and we do we do welcome it. Um, we we welcome all the questioning. Uh, again, there are people you can call them guardians, you can call them critics, uh, you can call them just you know passionate pursuers of Jesus and all things church. And uh, by by no means are we uh, do we want to play defense? Um, do we want to defend ourselves? We're, we're we welcome um, you know the, the the criticism and correction and challenge, but at the same time we we feel very very confident. Um, that what we're doing is is is, is profoundly biblical, biblically sound. I, I, I think it, it is very, very interesting to see how the culture has changed. And I'm sure there was a day and time in church culture where where the concept of television was risky. The concept of radio was risky. Um, the con- I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what got a lot of criticism because I was there for this one was video, uh, playing a video of the sermon. I mean, that was it is still up under criticism. And so. Um, we, you know, we, we're a video church. I think we have, you know, 14 video services on a, on a, or maybe 13 video services on a Sunday. Um, and so we, we, we've already kind of crossed through that threshold. Um, but, but again, we have found at least in our own church, a lot of people, um, not connecting in groups, not connecting relationally. And I have to say in the first couple of months, um, we, we've never seen this many groups in the history, in the 25 year history of our church. We've never had this many groups. That was Judah and Chelsea Smith. Make sure to check out their new app, the Church Home Global app, available in the App Store and Google Play. At LifeSong for Orphans, we believe the church is the solution to caring for orphans. Through holistic, Christ-centered education and care to vulnerable children in developing countries, as well as adoption financial assistance to Christian families in the U.S., LifeSong invites you to join in living out God's call to care for orphans. 
LifeSong serves adoptive families and churches at zero cost, and 100% of the donations go directly to helping children in need. You are called to serve orphans. We can help. Find out how at lifesong.org forward slash relevant. You're listening to Johnny Swim. The song is The Christmas Waltz. All right, well, you know, here's the deal. We had great plans, and we delegated those plans to Chandler. (laughs) And we do not have a listener of the week this week because nobody got back to him. They saw saw him slide into the DMs. Chandler, defend yourself. "Ah, Defend yourself, Chandler. To be fair... I was given right. about 30 minutes to arrange the listener <laughs> of the week. So. That was true. More than adequate. And, and people More do, than I mean, adequate. You know, this isn't quite lunchtime yet, so these people probably have day jobs that they couldn't, you know. As if people aren't, aren't have, on social media or come on. No, no. They left me on red. Like, they definitely saw it and didn't respond. <gasps> they read it and didn't get back to you? Yeah. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah, it's okay. It's wow. Right. Well, I mean, they, there are times where you can read things in the middle of a meeting and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, I'll respond to I this as quick as I can, but right they're now. in a meeting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like a middle of the work day. It's not, painful. It's, it's, right. a, it's an painful. awkward time to be, you know, stepping outside to right. get on Skype. Right. Sweeten the mm. deal. We'll offer $10,000 to the first person <laughs> who responds to me on Twitter. You've got $10,000 to give like that? We Come can on. do and no ask Jesse. We, we can do a very special Christmas edition of Ask Jesse. So oh, here yeah. it is. Ask Jesse. Okay, uh, Jesse, a bunch of people have been tweeting us needing your help with their sure. life conundrums. Uh, Amy uh, asks, she says, I'm a 46-ish year old male. She said 40, a very specific number to put an ish on the end of 46 ish year old female that is knee deep in my midlife crisis. Uh, She says uh, she left a great job, sold an amazing house, had to get rid of a super cool dog. Still have the husband though. Really need to know what do I do next? The husband stays, by the way, that's not negotiable, says the Lord. That's what she said. So uh, this is for Amy, Amy in the throes of her midlife crisis. What should she do next? Oh, this is easy. Midlife crisis, need a little more, need some, some youthful thrills in your life. Stand up wave runners. They are awesome. You just don't the see them enough either. In the middle of winter. You get a pair for you and yeah. your husband and just blast around any nearby body of water. She doesn't tell me where she's from. I don't need to know. There's somewhere that you can There's ride a stand up wave runner. And Annie, what would your reasonable advice be to, to Amy? No, I do mother? find stand-up wave runners to be very entertaining. So I'm actually going to go with you. I think they're so cool looking. It's an angle thing. Again, with your dadness, exactly. loving an angle. I feel like too many people <laughs> go for the sit-down jet skis. Yeah. You know, yeah, the standing one. No, no, no. You got to do the stand-up ones because then when you fall off, it just stops because the handle is crunched yeah. like a can opener. Yeah, you're yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah, I feel so I'm like really it, with you today, Jesse. I feel like it's like those three wheel ATVs that they can't sell anymore because they tip over at the slightest turn, at the slightest speed. And a lot of people got injured. They look way more fun than the four wheels. I'll tell you that. So, you know, just add some danger to your life, Amy. Yeah. I bet those, I bet it gets, I've actually never ridden a stand up wave runner, but I bet you get very tired because you're just standing. I don't know. I mean, 
It's good. You've actually out. never been on one either. Okay, so we're just telling her to have a midlife crisis on a piece of technology none of us learn, have ever used. Learn the black arts of fork bending. That's my other. That's <laughs> my, go to forkbend.com. Uh, Jesse Cordell Kattenberg says, I'm a 23-year-old new pastor at a church revitalization in a small town of only a thousand people. I need advice on how to best connect with people and grow the church. Ask Jesse. Okay, this is easy. Move to a suburban, uh, a heavily populated suburban area of town. Make sure yeah. the church is dead center of it. I want to get. I want you to get two hundred thousand light bulbs, a stereo system that will display at seventy-five decibels, and I want you to get some endangered camels shipped there. You will have a line around the block and everyone will love you. And you can take down the evil local HOA and, and find yourself on Fox and Friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, you will yeah. be a hero you of Christian persecution, a modern martyr in your town. That's that's my suggestion. Annie, what do you got for this? Man, that's person? a lot of responsibility. Well, for starters, of course, you had a great idea. But also, I just think, man, that's a lot of responsibility for a 23-year-old. Uh, yeah, um, right. Can I give one more suggestion? Learn fork Yeah, of course, bending. before I actually I would say go to, I would, If my pastor could bend forks, I would... If, if there was a local <laughs> pastor who was bending forks, I'd probably switch churches. Annie, go for it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I would... This is a way too rational response. I, but my, I would say ask more questions than you give answers for a while. Spencer Gilliland uh, tweets, I'm an aspiring artist. But it's really hard to stay motivated. Any tips to get inspired? Ask Jesse. Mm, I wish it would have. I wish Spencer would have given more detail about the type of art that that he is. Uh, what are you mm. guessing based on his name? Spencer Gilliland. Gilligan. Gilliland. Gilliland. <laughs> like a country. I, like he founded his own country. Gilliland. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to su- assume that it's the art of dance. Yeah, um, I think like, that's fair. I think, and when, and all I can say is from what I know about the art of dance, when you need inspiration, you put on some like early nineties era, like vineyard praise music and you bust out those flags and <laughs> let nothing stop you from letting the dance take over. I've seen it happen. It's awesome. Annie, what do you got for Spencer? Uh, Spencer, I would guess that you're also a dancer. So I am on the same page as Jesse. Um, when it cut all of us in this podcast currently, um, we, we make art for our jobs and the way you stay motivated is you realize there's no other way to pay the bills. <laughs> if you don't keep dancing, you don't pay the bills. I say put on, put on ancient of days. You guys remember <laughs> glory and honor, yeah, blessing and power. You get, you get that flag with that glittery dove on it and yeah. you just go Spencer. And you hold your Crank ancient of days to your Wells oh, Fargo man. app and you look at how close it is to zero and you just keep dancing. Keep on dancing, man. Keep on on dance and keep that little top hat upside down and let them toss the nickels in. You know? All right. All right. Three, three, three more. Jonathan Welch says, three more, Lord. yeah, why not? Three more quick ones. We'll do a lightning round. Jonathan Welch asks, I'm currently unemployed during the holidays, but have severance. What should I do with my newfound freedom? P.S. I'm a newlywed. Oh, well, that's easy. Um, learn fork bending. Annie. Learn dancing. <laughs> I would start dancing. Okay, no, this is a serious... I'm dead serious. What's his name, Cameron? Uh, His name is Jonathan Welch. Okay, Jonathan, over the holidays, seriously, learn fork bending. You're not a magician. You you are not... And then come on the show. Yeah, yeah, you don't don't have to live by the code. You don't have to live by the code. Learn fork bending over the holidays. Come on, tell us how it's done for real. He'll, He'll be the listener of the week. 
Yeah, yeah. guaranteed. Jonathan, yeah. Guaranteed. Jesse, that's a brilliant With idea. Pleasure. Jonathan Welch, please come on. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Ale- uh, Alexis Lynn Ellis says, it's been seven years. How do I tell my mother-in-law that I don't actually collect nesting dolls? These gifts have gotten creepy. <laughs> you, you, t- you put a note in the very middle of a very tiny doll and you stick that doll inside a doll that's just a little bit bigger and you stick that doll inside a doll that's just a little bit bigger and you give it as Christmas and the note in the middle says, I hate these things. Yeah, I think I think that's a reasonable response, Annie. Mine would be, listen, obviously your mother's feelings would be very, very hurt. I mean, this is seven years of gifts she's given you. The only reasonable thing to do here to stop receiving them is to fake your own death and start a new life. Your mother will never <laughs> give you another nasty doll again. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. Uh, Brianna McIntyre uh, asks, says, my brother is getting married in three weeks and I'm giving a speech. How do I make the speech uh, memorable, special, and dare I say viral worthy? I mean, besides waving my arms at a magic game. Easy. Oh, that's really funny because she's making fun of you. That's good. (laughs) Easy. Incorporate ventriloquism. Easy. <laughs> when is the wedding? They got a few months. Three you know, weeks. Just three, weeks. Three, three, weeks. three weeks is more than enough time. If you dedicate yourself to it. Right. Is there 10,000 hours? No, that's not. I don't know. No, there's enough time for you to acquire a, a dummy and, yeah. and do a ventriloquism bit. Because listen, you're probably not a stand up comic. You can work on material for three weeks. It's probably not going to be that great. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. Right. If you have a dummy, the dummy can say the offensive things that you want to say. You know, oh. you can be like, oh, you shouldn't say that. Like Jeff Dunham. Like like a Jeff Dunham. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then no one's mad because I've been to enough wedding toasts where yeah. the best man or the maid of honor says a story that really humiliated the bride and groom and like right. really damaged the relationship. And that's the risk. If you want to tell a good speech, it's going to get people laughing. But if it's the dummy that says it, you can't get mad. So can't ventriloquism, mad. no problem. <laughs> I have a better answer. I think she gets someone to video during her speech. Everyone holds up their fork at the same time and she bends all of them Mm. at once. Every fork at the whole wedding at once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's just energy, like you guys are BSing about, if it's just energy, psychokinesis and telekinesis are real phenomena, Annie. The internet talks a lot about it. You can look it up yourself. (laughs) Annie, you were there. You saw the fork. I was there. Bend, I saw it. So I don't want to hear. I have a quarter. I think it's magical. It I don't think it's energy. I think it's magical. I have a quarter taco that nobody that? else touched. My fist bent a quarter in half. Come on. I saw your face when it happened, Andy. That. You were dumbstruck like the rest of us were. I was. There was, I was. no like, mm, no question. that's fake. There was no. No question. Uh, I didn't. No, no, no. No question that I was dumbstruck and I am amazed by it. I do not think. It is energy from our minds bending a fork. I'm going to use the energy from my mind to slowly bend your brain towards seeing the truth. (laughs) (laughs) You like conspiracies and internet wormholes. Why don't I'll send you a couple links that kept me up last night. Get your mind. I just don't have the stamina to stay up every night like you do. You stay up so late. I I fall asleep. (laughs) Well, you you wouldn't fall asleep if you're reading some of the websites I was reading last night. (laughs) You'll be up all night. Realize, 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 Annie. I I will immediately apologize when Jonathan Welch comes on and tells us how he learned, yeah. and he tells me it's energy in his mind. Hey, yeah. that's real talk. I want he's got he's got the whole holidays off, and he's yeah. got severance. He doesn't need to go earn. He doesn't need to earn an extra coin. 
he asked us what to do with his time. We're telling him what to do, and then to come on this podcast and explain it. That yeah. uh, that's his mission, and it's, he has that's adequate time to do it. Yeah. I, I agree. All right. Well, there you go. That's it for Ask Jesse. Hey, many thanks to Judah and Chelsea Smith for joining us. You can learn more about their ministry at churchhome.org. You can follow Judah on Twitter at Judah Smith. And I would highly suggest following Chelsea on Instagram. Every Monday, she does like a Marriage Monday thing and super cool. They're really good on social media and producing good content. Hey, it's not too late. Christmas is in one week. And if you've, uh, if you're a last minute shopper, you can give a year of relevant for only $14.99. If you go to relevantmagazine.com slash give, when you do that, you will also get an extra 20% off code for you to use at the relevant store. So you can uh, get a little something for yourself, you know? That's how I like to do it. Um, hey, if you want to get some awesome gifts for the podcast super fan in your life, head over to store.relevantmagazine.com and uh, check out all the swag that we've been putting up this month. There's a lot of new items every week right now. So go check it out. Hey, if you like this show, head over to iTunes and rate it and review it. It uh, helps people see it and get word out about the show. We've been doing it since 2005. It feels weird to ask people to go rate and review the show, but... It's actually weird. Have you seen, have you ever scrolled back, Jesse, and looked at like super old reviews? I have. Like some that are literally 10 years old. 10, 15 years old. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, And if you like the podcast, hey, you'll like the magazine even more, probably. It's way better. Head over to (laughs) relevantmagazine.com. Head over to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. And there's a special deal going on right now for Christmas. Check it out. Don't that, that, that and don't miss our next cover story, Psychokinesis. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bending of forks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moro. Why is it just forks? Why can't people bend knives? Uh, why they, can't they bend? They can. Buildings. They, they can. They can and do. Uh, spoons Where's and forks. Bendingthenife.com. I'm just saying, it's all. It's Annie, all. It's all there. It, it's been, bending spoons is the most rise. popular form of this because the 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 metal is thinner on a fork and a spoon and bends more easily with the energy knives are heavier they don't bend as easily coins bend there's certain things that are just more conducive to being manipulated with the energy waves i'm just saying you learn a lot we are for sure a little bit secular today (laughs) i'm telling you i haven't got much sleep thinking about it All right, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We'll see you on Friday. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I think it is three notes of one stinky chord.
Relevant Podcast Network.